Blog Talk Radio. Behind the scenes, and um, 
You know, we're not we're not going to spend the, the full two hours discussing this, but again, the news keeps coming out of TNA and Impact Wrestling. Um, most of the news, not very good news. Uh, more releases this week. Uh, you know, Dave, you got to wonder the direction of this company, what exactly is going on behind the scenes, but some significant releases this week. Yeah, um, more cost-cutting measures from what we've been, uh, you know, reading in reports and hearing. Um, Bruce Pritchard, who is the vice president of talent relations for TNA, um, had been let go, and uh, I was, I was fifty-fifty, you know, being surprised at the same time, you know, not surprised about that release uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, you know, Bruce Pritchard, you know, a lot of you wrestling fans might know he was an integral part of the WWE for years. He worked on again, off again with the company. He was with them for a long period of time. He produced, he was one of their big producers and produced a lot of the vignettes you would see in the, in the, uh, the late eighties, early nineties. And when guys were debuting, he was very integral in, um, the, uh, the, the vignettes of, uh, introducing Mr. Perfect to television. When you saw him, you know, get a bullseye with darts or, uh, you know, go swimming and, you know, hit a home run uh, with Wade Boggs or throw a touchdown pass. Um, you know, Bruce Pritchard produced a lot of those, pretty much all those vignettes, as well as he was also, um, you know, he played the character Brother Love, which was actually one of my, you know, a lot of people talk about favorite talk shows in, in wrestling. Um, that's probably one of my top three, along with, uh, you know, uh, the Piper's Pit, of course, being the number one, you know, amongst the majority of wrestling fans. But um, Pritchard, I guess, um, has had a history, um, you know, he had a, a long history with the WWE. I don't know how much of a history he had with managing talent and being in charge of a talent department. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know that he had a lot of creative writing duties with WWE and producing um, some talent, you know, and, and, and vignettes and stuff like that. I don't know what his experience was in charge of in, in terms of being in charge of talent. But um, I have not heard too many good things about Bruce Pritchard since his, uh, be, you know, the beginning of his time in TNA, um, starting in, uh, 2011. Um, I heard that he was, um, not in favor of women's wrestling. And so for a brief period of time, um, when he was, you know, in charge, you noticed that there was a dip in, in women's wrestling in TNA. And, you know, that was one of the positives of, uh, of, of TNA uh, television was the women. Um, when the knockout division had first been formed back in 2007, um, I had heard some stories that uh, you know he wasn't uh, you know he he would kind of dilly dally with contract negotiations with guys. One in particular, most recently, was Rob Van Dam. Um, when Rob Van Dam, his contract had run out, he had given the open door for TNA to negotiate a new deal with him. Um, and Rob Van Dam has also been publicly you know known to say that. He doesn't want to work a full-time WWE schedule, um, and he, you know, he wants to kind of work a lighter schedule in, in the stage of his career at his age, and TNA fit him for that. And that's why he chose to work for TNA when he signed with them three years ago. Well, the stories I've heard is that Van Dam had made phone calls to Pritchard and the talent department over there, and Pritchard had not returned any of his phone calls. And if you remember, there was a tweet that Van Dam put out recently where he, he mentioned something about TNA being unprofessional and not returning his phone calls. Um, and obviously, you know, that 
factored into why he had resigned with the WWE, which he's now getting the uh, you know the, the the Chris Jericho type deal where he'll work for a few months and take a few months off and come back and sort of thing. So um, you know, same thing happened with uh, uh, Doc Luke, Luke Gallows from the Aces and Eights. Um, his contract negotiations, I guess, went too long. And Pritchard kind of just put that on the back burner, and then the contract expired, and nothing came about it afterwards. There was no option of re-signing. Um, some people say now recently, this past week, that there's a better chance of, of them re-signing Gallows because they did have some plans for Gallows. Apparently they were going to turn Gallows babyface and, uh, you know, leave the Aces and Aces and feud with them um, on on TNA television, but um, and that's one talent that just hasn't gotten a break, really, in my opinion. I mean, it's just it's been kind of like stopped and stalled with him. You know, when he was in the Straight Edge Society with uh, CM Punk, you know, he had a good run there, and then when they broke that up, he disappeared. And then they let go of him. You know, WWE had let go of him. Um, then he comes to TNA. They got a dec- he's got a decent run with the Aces and Eights, and you know, he's he's uh, an important part of their storyline, and his contract runs out, and apparently Pritchard stalled on negotiations, and they didn't renew his deal. So, um, you know, that that's – I've heard he's not been the greatest at managing talent. You know, and in all fairness to Bruce Pritchard, these aren't facts. This is just, you know, speculation and rumors from what I had heard. D'Lo Brown, um, who was an agent for them for a while, he had just recently had a, uh, an on-screen role as the vice president of Aces and Eights. Um, the story I had heard with him, as well as Pritchard, um, is that they were both asked to restructure their deals. Pritchard did not agree to it. He didn't want to do it. Um, but D'Lo was going to play ball with them and actually agree to restructuring his deal to a you know pay-per-night kind of basis instead of having um, a contract. So basically what that is is you work, you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. So I guess D'Lo was going to agree to it, but then the company had just let him go anyways. So, unfortunately, for, for, for a guy like D'Lo Brown, um, you know, he was going to play ball with them, and they decided not to. Um, Pritchard, on the other hand, played hardball with them, and they told him, you know, it's time to go. And I've also even heard some stories, too, um, you know, through very, very reliable sources within TNA um, that when Velvet Sky, his contract had run out, that was another – moment where Pritchard had stalled on the deal with her, and Dixie Carter had no idea that that, that that Sky was released from the company. And she made an effort personally to talk to Velvet Sky and to have her re-sign a deal. So, um, and these are all stories that I've heard. I mean, if it's true, then I guess it's a smart move for TNA to get rid of somebody who's not fulfilling their obligations in the role that they're playing in, in terms of Bruce Pritchard. Um, but, yeah, some, some, some interesting also big releases for them as well. Um, you know, like I said, it's apparently it's a cost-cutting measure. I'm no accountant. I'm no expert. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, they're doing the right thing and, you know, X, Y, and Z don't match up in numbers. I was terrible at math in school. I'm still not great at it now. So, um, you know, I mean, it's the truth. But, you know, unfortunately – um, you know, that's what happens in wrestling. Um, you know, the, the, and especially for a smaller company like TNA, who's only 11 years old, um, and they're trying to make a splash out in the uh, the wrestling world. Um, they might have gone a little too big this quickly in, in terms of you know maybe taking impact on the road too soon. Um, you know, the money that they're spending to to produce television on the road on a weekly basis or biweekly basis. 
Um, I mean, it's just it's not it's not positive news. Let's just say for them. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's sad because I, I think you know as wrestling fans we're pulling for TNA, um, but when you when you hear this news coming out and and yeah, I mean we're not accountants and we don't know what's going on, but obviously I think it's it's pretty evident that something's wrong, and if you know just letting contracts expire. Uh, Dixie not being informed, wherever you're going to place the blame, you know, management right now, as far as TNA goes, seems disjointed. Uh, Again, we're not in the front offices. We're not privy to what's going on. We don't know what's happening in these meetings. Uh, But to the outside eye, it seems like things are not working. Things are not being communicated within the front office. Now, we talked on this show. We thought, and I think a lot of wrestling fans thought bring you know TNA going on the road, Impact going on the road was a good thing. Uh, that being in the the Impact Zone had run its course. Uh, now, that being said, all of us again not being privy to being to seeing TNA's books assumed that if TNA was going to make this move, that they could afford. To make that move, you know, and so, um, you know, I mean, we didn't, when we said, hey, this is a good idea, we didn't take into account that maybe they couldn't afford to do it. That's something that the accountants and the powers that be in TNA should have taken into account. By all means, if you couldn't afford to get out on the road, then don't go out on the road. So if that's part of what's going on right now, um, you know, again, they got to think about going back to the drawing board and, and you know, seeing what exactly uh, they can do, it, it, you know, it sounds the bell of defeat if they wind up going back or attempting to go back to the uh, impact zone. So you got to think they probably should and almost have to stay on the road. But you know, what do they do going forward with this company? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, we had posted on our Facebook this week: true or false, TNA will be out of business within the next three years, and. For obvious reasons, and, and maybe the way we phrase the the, uh, the question, maybe we were looking for uh, polarizing responses. Who knows? But we got some polarizing responses. Anthony Charles Buchanan said, false, TNA is a write-off for Panda. It won't die until Panda does. Just some of the responses we got. Uh, Michael Lancaster said, false, why would they be? They just need to bring back Russo. Uh, Bob Scott also said, completely false. They made cuts. WWE does it all the time, and no one says they're going out of business. Uh, Scott Greenbaum says, I don't know enough about their financials, but unless they make some changes, I would say they will be out of business. Unfortunately, as much as a lot, I would I would hate it, they may have to start doing their shows only in Orlando again to save business. Marcus Kane says, anyone who doubts TNA is in serious trouble are misleading themselves. But they can not only survive, but can they begin to thrive? Yes, if they fix the issues that are keeping them third-rate in a shallow image of WCW. Um, some of the other responses, uh, Charles Klenke says, they can't go back to Universal Studios. The space is taken. They won't last three years. Those cuts weren't just unused clean-up-the-roster cuts. They were the kind of cuts you make when you can't afford the electric bill. Morgan was just in a storyline. Tara... Most valuable knockout on the roster. D'Lo and D.O.C. were part of the main storyline. Um, and he actually says, sorry to Bob Scott, but they're not going to make it through another year. Uh, so interestingly enough, uh, Mike Kanata says by the end of the year. Um, 
So interesting responses on our Facebook page. And I do, I, I think when you talk about this and it's fun, you know, wrestling fans are passionate about wrestling and you do have that kind of, you know, polarizing responses and black and white responses. And uh, I kind of tend to be in the moderate that I, I think we'll see TNA, that they'll still be around in, in three years. But I, I I don't think we can look at these cuts as, as something of the routine. And eh, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, I do like Charles' uh, analogy. You know, these are cuts when you can't afford the electric bill, you know. Uh, it seems like this is definitely a bad time for TNA, and they are at a crossroads. And some serious changes have to be put in place, and some people that really, 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 really know what they're doing from a financial standpoint, from a business standpoint, need to go in and kind of dissect what TNA is doing and make things uh, more cost-effective. So as much as I think TNA is going to survive, uh, this is a crossroads for them, and they they got to look at changing things up, and uh, you know maybe going in a different direction. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Dave. I can't say that I have the the answer necessarily, but uh, this is definitely a time period where you, you got to figure the powers that be in TNA gonna have to put their heads together and and make some serious changes. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't have the answers either, but here's two points I want to make. Number one. Um, you know, we we both you know obviously admit you know we're not we're not experts. We don't you know know how to run a business, and you know we're not financial you know you know experts and money wise and all the other stuff. But it seems like to me that you know they're in a panic mode um, with some of these releases. Some of them are just you know they're they're they're, they're rightfully so. They they they're I can't say deserved releases, but if you're not if you're paying somebody, you're not using them. You know, you're wasting money, then you know, get rid of them. You know, if that's that, that, that's that's you know, that seems to be the smart move if you're if you're not using them. Um, but it seems like you know that they they take impact on the road. It's a, it, it costs money, obviously. You know, to, to to travel and 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 produce television weekly. You know, here's another thing too. Um, you know, they tape two shows in one night in the same building. Um, they do a live show on like a 40-minute, maybe to an hour delay so that they can cram as much wrestling as they possibly can into the building without wearing the audience out for two tapings. Um, why don't they just tape Impact, you know, instead of going live? I mean, live is good, and live helps, and it makes your product a little bit better, but if you are, you know, if you're, quite frankly, if you're, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you're not making any money, and it, and it costs money to, to to tape live television every week. I mean, the WWE does it. They do Raw on Monday, but they don't do they don't do SmackDown live every week. They tape SmackDown on Tuesdays and it airs on Friday. If the WWE, I'm not saying that they're broke by any means, but you know they're they're saving money by taking one of their shows and taping them. And they tape multiple shows during their tapings. You know, Superstars that airs on you know the internet and some of the international television markets. You know, overseas. That gets taped. Main event gets taped on Tuesday to air Wednesday. You know, SmackDown gets taped Tuesday to air Friday. You know, the old NXT shows used to get taped. You know, back in the day, WWF at the time, you know, taped all of their shows. They, they, I think the first time, the only time they were live were pay-per-views and maybe Saturday night's main events. Actually, no, they weren't live Saturday night's main events. They were all taped because Saturday night's main events would be on at like 10, 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. 
Really, I think the first time they ever really went live, like a weekly television show, was when they started doing Raw in 1993. So, you know, the WWE is this, you know, multi-billion-dollar conglomerate in, in, in the in the entertainment and wrestling world, and yet they tape all of their shows except for one to save money. I mean, it would be smart if TNA just said, okay, they could they could tell the viewer it's live. They're gonna people are gonna read spoilers anyways. You know, I mean. Uh, you, you ever hear on SmackDown Michael Cole say, welcome to Friday Night SmackDown, which was taped on Tuesday? No, you don't hear him say that. Like, they, 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 come it off, they, they play it off like it's live. So I think if TNA wanted to save some money and, you know, w- w- with television fees and satellite fees and all that other stuff, maybe they should just tape all their shows. You know, they tape Explosion that airs in different markets, that, that, that you know, their syndicated show. I don't see why what the problem would be is to, you know, having all impact tapes for now. And you tape two shows that are in the can, you know, uh, and on, on, on a, you know, on a, like a Tuesday or something like that, or maybe even a Wednesday, you air one of them on Thursday, and then you get the following week to air. You know, and you got a week to edit stuff if, in case you have issues with, with, with certain shows, you know. Because there are plenty of times when you watch Impact live, you know, something doesn't go right, it's live. And then you'll hear reports that, you know, the the, the, the following taping, something screwed up and they had to redo a finish or redo a certain segment, you know, I, I, I don't see why they couldn't just tape for now until they're, until they're, you know, making money or at least, you know, generating some revenue, some more revenue. I mean, I don't know what they get for advertising, but I do not see, I'll tell you right now, I said this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I do not see, you know, any other commercials for TNA Impact Wrestling on any other channel except for when they're on Spike TV. I'll see them on, you know, Spike TV during other hours of the day and, of course, during their show. But you'll never see, you know, you see WWE commercials on multiple channels. And even when they advertise it, they're coming through, you know, a town near you. They're always at, you know, I'm no expert, but I just think that would probably be a better solution for the time being. Yeah, and as, as you bring up like advertising, I mean, is is that one of the, is that another spot that they've cut corners in? You know, it's, I, I you know, again, not not being privy to the books and, and actually looking at things. I mean, when you see them going live, and, and again, we all thought that was a good idea, but you know, could they afford it? You know, it almost seems like TNA right now is, you know, that person that went out and bought a house but couldn't afford the mortgage payments. So they they saved up enough for for the the down payment and the closing costs, but couldn't afford the, the mortgage payments. You know, just you you can't do one without the other. And as as good an idea as it was for TNA to get out on the road and to go live, you know, if you if you can't afford to do it, you know, you, you got to kind of pull back. So it's you know it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think the next few months or the remainder of 2013. Is going to be interesting to see where exactly TNA uh, goes uh, moving forward. Interestingly enough, I mean TNA, you know, news outside the ring, but some big time news inside the ring. Uh, we have a brand new uh, TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, interesting turn of events. Option C uh, coming into play once again, and uh, top heel in the company. Uh, Bully Ray is now the former champion. Chris Sabin able to cash in successfully with option C with uh, some help from the main event mafia, keeping things on the up and up. And uh, we have a brand new champion. You like the move, Dave? Um, 
Yeah, I do. And, you know, I, I like the move because of a couple of reasons. Number one, the story of Chris Saban is is a, a ready-made, you know, fall-into-your-lap kind of storyline for wrestling and television. I mean, he spent two years on the shelf. One year he blew, you know, he blew out a knee. Another year he blew out the other knee. You know, he comes back, trains, you know, blowing out two ACLs back-to-back. You know, I'm no doctor. You know, I'm not an expert of much, as you can tell by this show. I'm not a money guy. I can't do math, and I'm not a doctor. But, you know, two knees in back-to-back years, I mean, especially in, a, in, in, the, in the line of work like, you know, professional wrestling, you got to question if that could ever, you know, if you could ever come back from that, you know, athletes have come back from, from, from a lot worse, but you know, your legs are doing a lot of the work when you're in there, you're moving around, you make one false move and you know, it could be all over, you know, I mean, it's happened with professional football players and baseball players and you know, they're, they are a lot less physical than wrestlers. So the story of him coming back and fighting for the world title and having the opportunity to fight for the world title, the fact that he has been there since the very beginning, um, you know, he was one of the staples in the X Division when the X Division was being put on the map. So I like the idea. I think it's short-term, and the only reason why I think it's short-term is because, you know, I don't think that the company has that much faith in them. I think it's just something to kind of pop a rating, which isn't really a smart move. However, um, everyone likes an underdog story, so maybe they can. Maybe this can be successful long-term in the sense that, you know, they play up Chris Saban as the underdog champion that nobody believes in. He's got two bad wheels, and, you know, he's a target, you know, all the time, not just for being the champion, but because of the injuries he has sustained over the past couple of years um, and the severity of those injuries. So I think it can, if done right, it can be a long-term thing. The, you know, the, the, the jury's still out on that right now. But I, I like the match. I thought the match was a good match. Um, you know, Bully Ray is, is a phenomenal heel. And it helped that he's, you know, a bigger guy. And Chris Saban is a smaller guy. And it gets that, you know, that David versus Goliath kind of feel, <clears throat> excuse me, that has worked in wrestling since the beginning of, you know, the industry. So, um, and it also shows, too, I mean, the other, the other point I want to make is that, you know, Impact Wrestling, their ratings have declined um, in recent months since they've made the move on the road permanently. And their social media score, I guess, was like in like the top ten or the top five maybe on social media in terms of, you know, number of things trending during that episode of Impact. And and their their ratings had gone up. They, they barely would break a one um these past few months, but they broke one and they did 1.16. I don't know what that comes out to in terms of how many viewers watched the show, but granted it was, it had like a pay-per-view style theme to the episode of impact. So maybe that just in a sense helped that viewers were like, Oh, well it's pay-per-view caliber matches on free TV this week. Let's go check it out. As opposed to the same old stuff you see every other week. So I liked, I, I like it. I mean, he could use some work on the microphone, I'll tell you that. He's not the greatest when it comes to talking. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal talent in the ring, and he's got a good look And you know, in terms of you know being an underdog champion and underdog wrestler itself. And, of course, the story behind you know his recent past with his injuries definitely helps and gets the viewers behind him. And if you got, you know, for every great good guy, you need a great bad guy. And I think that if they were to keep going with this Bully Ray 
Chris Saban thing and make that a focal point. Instead of all that main event mafia stuff, and I, don't get me wrong, the mafia is okay. I'm not, like, huge on it, but it's not terrible either. Saban's kind of got to stand out on his own with Bully Ray. Like, you can't have him aligned with, like, 45 other guys fighting off the aces and eights. If you just focus on these two guys and, you know, the David versus Goliath theme and all the other points I've made before, I think long-term it can work for the two of them. Everybody wants to see Saban and Aries. Everybody wants to see Saban and AJ Styles or Christopher Daniels or even Jeff Hardy or Kurt Angle. Don't get me wrong, those matches would be great. But I think a better story would be told and would get the viewers to watch more if you had a Bully Ray, you know, as a bully against this young underdog Chris Saban. And then the matches will speak for themselves after that. Yeah, it's interesting because, I, I, you know, we we do agree a lot on the show. I, I, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of it um, for a couple reasons. I mean, first thing, I, you know, I, I do feel like that, again, in these, you know, TNA create your own identity. Uh, I, I feel like they're kind of trying to make option C, uh, you know, they're kind of trying to make it a version or their version of money in the bank. Um, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, a pale uh, imitation of being money in the bank. Um, I, I, to me, the way it's being built and the way bully Ray's title run is being built, um, I, I thought the ultimate heel, the ultimate evil champion, the ultimate bully uh, should have remained champion, a long, solid championship run until Bound for Glory, and whoever wins the Bound for Glory series uh, finally is the one to knock the ultimate evil off of his throne and, and take home the uh, championship. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be a short-term title run. Um, you know, I think, I, look, he's got a lot of talent, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I'm talking in terms of storytelling. Uh, you know, maybe down the road I would have sure given him the strap, but um, I don't know. I just I, I don't like it right now. Um, I'm curious where they're going to go with this now. I mean, Bully Ray obviously gets his rematch. Um, you know, how is that going to unfold? Are we going to get the main event mafia helping out again? Uh, does Saban wind up joining the Mafia? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm curious where they're going to go with it. Um, and I can't say that I'm totally opposed to him getting the belt. I'm just not. I, I don't like it right now. I, I just don't think it works. I kind of wanted to see Bully Ray hold on to it for a longer period of time, really, really continuing to build uh, this this ultimate bully uh, persona in professional wrestling, and then get knocked off his perch come. Uh, Bound for glory. So that's kind of like my feelings on things. I mean, I get it in, in the short term, and, and I do think it's a, a short-term kind of thing. Uh, and I think sometimes that's where TNA kind of drops the ball. They look more in terms of, of short-term as opposed to long-term storytelling. I think within the moment, it was great. The pop for Saban when he won the title was great. It was a great singular moment on Impact this past Thursday. Uh, but where does it go from here? And I just uh, – storytelling-wise – I'm not crazy about it. But interestingly enough, it does uh, illustrate a certain trend as far as fans go in, in wrestling and, and what we're seeing more and more of. Uh, you know, smaller guys are definitely uh, being given the spotlight more and more. Uh, you know, right, Daniel Bryan uh, headlining SummerSlam coming up. Uh, you know, CM Punk, uh, Saban now, TNA. World champion. Uh, interesting, Dave, how this, this trend continues to unfold that the uh, smaller athletic guys are getting more and more of the spotlight. 
Well, I think it's a testament to the audience itself. You know, for many, many years in, in wrestling, most particularly in the WWE, you know, it's the land of the Giants. And, you know, it draws money. But, it all, you know, smaller guys that work hard and are very athletic and very skilled in the ring also have an appeal to an audience. And maybe this is just an Internet audience, but, you know, you see guys like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and, you know, now, you know, Austin Aries last year. And it seems like the summertime has always been, you know, the summer of the small guys. I hate to say that, but, you know, I mean, in 2011 we had the summer of CM Punk where he was, you know, the big, you know, the, the – the, the big, you know, the big cheese over in the WWE with that walkout storyline. And then last year, you know, Austin Aries was, you know, red hot with the TNA audience. And that's what they wanted at that time, to him be the world champion. And, um, you know, now this year it's, you know, Daniel Bryan in the WWE and then, you know, Chris Saban from this past, you know, week on Impact. You know, it's it's got an appeal to it. You know, it reminds me of the days when there was a changing of the guard from, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Um, well, you know, after Hogan left in the WWF and, you know, they transi- they transitioned over to guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and, uh, you know, the, a lot Owen Hart and Davey Boyson, a lot of the smaller guys, but that had athletic ability and skill in the ring that just didn't have, you know, a gimmick to stand on. They also could work in the ring, too. Um, and I think that um, we're seeing some of that in the past few years in little doses. I'm not saying that it's like a full-on you know, takeover of the wrestling industry where, you know, the big muscle heads aren't going to be at the top of the card anymore. I think they're still going to be there, but I think there's also a place for the smaller guys as well. Um, And to be honest with you, in TNA, you know, last year we saw the rise of Austin Aries who virtually just kind of came out of nowhere um, with them. You know, at one point, you know, a couple of years ago, he was going to quit wrestling. I I don't know if many of viewers know this, but he tried out for that tough enough season that was on USA that Steve Austin hosted. And he didn't make the cut. Um, and he had gotten multiple tryouts with, you know, a few tryouts with WWE through a couple of guys, you know, that he is friends with over that work in that company. And he was going to quit wrestling. In fact, I remember there was a YouTube video where he had quit, where he said he was going to quit if he didn't get a job on television, if he didn't work for one of the big two companies. And uh, at some point he had a match at, uh, you know, the, the one of the Destination X pay-per-views and, uh they offered him a contract, and uh, he's been with TNA for a couple of years now since, and they've used him pretty well. They didn't just throw him away. Sometimes they'll take guys and they'll give him a little bit of a push, and then all of a sudden when that push is over, they just kind of put him on the back burner. Aries has been in a significant um, relevant spot on, on TNA television for, you know, for the better part of a year. You know, he had the title run, um, you know, and he had the feud with Jeff Hardy, and after that he was, um, you know, with Bob, tagged up with Bobby Roode, and they were tag team champions for a while, and now he's, you know, kind of a, a main player in the Bound for Glory series. He had that little spot with the X Division title when he dressed up as Suicide a couple of weeks ago. So they're using him. Um, and I just hope the same goes for Saban. I, I, I really feel that Saban's going to – he's not going to have the title for very long, but – I think he's going to be used in a significant role going forward after his title run. Yeah, and a few of the names you brought up there, and that's the thing that becomes really interesting when we talk TNA. I mean, when you know, Aries and Rude this week, a, a tremendous matchup. I mean, an unbelievable match between the two of them. Very athletic guys. It's, it's hard to believe that Aries had problems uh, finding a job because that guy's got all the talent in the world. But 
the one thing that that really kind of strikes me when we talk TNA is the wrestling is good. Uh, you know, I, I would venture to say, for the most part, if you took Raw, SmackDown, and Impact and just looked in ring work, that I would say if you if you took all the matches on all the shows and placed them like you know best to worst, I would bet Impact would probably be you know all up in the top ten or at least most of them. Like they would they would dominate as far as in ring matches. I, I, you know, to me, each and every week. You know, you see some really, really solid matches. I mean, guys that, you know, the, the knockouts can go. You know, you have some great matches between the ladies right there. You know, you got Aries. You got Rude. You got uh, AJ Styles. You got uh, Kazarian and uh, Christopher Daniels in there. You know, I mean, just so many talented guys that when you get them between the ropes can really perform and and it's it's amazing to me that how in a wrestling company that these guys who are so athletic and put on these five star matches on a regular basis that somehow a wrestling company can't make that work creatively it it really just kind of boggles my mind Dave because you know in ring when you're watching these guys and like you said the the championship match with Bully Ray and Chris Saban Another really, really solid matchup. And when you're talking in-ring, in-ring stuff is great, but they just can't seem to get out of their own way as far as behind the scenes and creative. Well, here's the thing. I totally agree with you with that point because, you know, growing up, you know, you and I both are, you know, we're, we're, we're long-time wrestling fans. And, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, it ends in the ring. And that's what I grew up on is that the actual matches itself, um, but nowadays, to me at least, you can have the greatest match in the world, you know, but if there isn't a solid invested story behind the match that ties into the match, to me as a viewer, the match is good, but it's just missing something. You know what I mean? And I don't think that there are consistent, solid stories involved in some of these matches. I mean, let me just go back and, and you know, just a little bit here and, and, and make a prime example. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. The story going into that match was Shawn Michaels obviously wanted to end the streak. That's the one thing he had never, ever done. He's Mr. WrestleMania, and he wants to end the streak and, and you know, cement his legacy if he already hadn't at being the man. And he didn't do it. And it was a great match. In my opinion, it's the greatest wrestling match in the history of wrestling. Um, some argue that Steamboat Savage was was better. But you also talk about, you know, I could talk about Steamboat Savage, too. Savage took out Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and, you know, his, crushed his larynx. And then they had this great five-star match behind it. Everybody wanted to see Steamboat come back from this career-threatening injury to beat Randy Savage. And he, he put it all out there on the line in that match, as well as Savage did, too. And it's regarded as, if not one of the greatest matches of all time. And then you, and then let me get back to Undertaker Sean. You had the match, you know, at 25, and then they had the rematch the following year at 26. And the two of them had orchestrated, you know, similar aspects from the year prior, but they also incorporated some new things in telling stories from the previous match into their new match. Like for instance, when Michaels, when Michaels had gone for the moonsault in the first match in Houston, he missed on the floor, and Taker just kind of sideswiped him. The following year, 
He went for the moonsault again, but this time Undertaker was on the announce table, and he landed it. You know, just little things like that. You know, the, the, the tombstones and the kickouts and everything. They incorporated from what took place a year prior into their new match. And I think with a solid, invested story and, a, you know, and, and possibly even a great story as well behind the actual in-ring match, I think that helps tremendously when you have the match in the ring. You know, sir, hell, we can even talk about, and I hate to keep bringing up Shawn Michaels again, but Michaels Flair from from WrestleMania 24. You know, just the, the, the body language and the things that were going on in that match and then the finish at the end. Michaels didn't want to end Ric Flair's career. Flair forced him into doing it. His best friend forced him into doing it because he wanted the best that Shawn Michaels could bring. And then, then you look at the camera and there's that point where Michaels says, I'm sorry, I love you. And then he kicks him and then that's the end of the match. That's great storytelling. Like, to me, that, that that makes – that was the best part of the match, in my opinion, was the finish at the end because of the emotion that was involved in it and just just great artists and storytellers that just make the matches even better. TNA has some great matches. And Bell to Bell, phenomenal matches on television. However, if you don't have a good story behind that match, that, that going into the match, the match is just a bunch of guys moving around and flip-flopping and flying. And, and and putting holes on each other. There's no meaning behind it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think what happens is like your enjoyment of of as a fan is fleeting. It's it's momentary. It's it's just within that moment. You have a five star match without good storytelling, and you're engaged for that 15 minute period, that 10 minute period, however long the match is, and then you're it's done. It's over. It's gone. Um, you know, if the storytelling is there, then that match kind of stays with you. Um, I, you know, to draw a parallel, I, you almost think it's almost like, you know, you have your favorite football team and you go to a, a, a game with your favorite football team that in your mind and your fandom, that's, that's the quote storyline and you're following this team. And when you see a great game, you know, there's all that history with you as being a fan that makes the game exponentially better. You could travel up to Canada and, and watch Canadian football league game, and you have no allegiance, you have no history, you have no no tie to the the either team, and you could see a great great football game, but it's not going to resonate as much with you as if you saw your team, and that's that's where TNA is right now. I mean, they it's amazing to me how they continue, you know, week in and week out. There's there's a match, at least one match on Impact that you're like, wow. That was incredible. That was a great matchup. That was an athletic matchup. They have some of the best workers in the business, but the, the storytelling just kind of lacks a bit. So you kind of hope that creatively speaking and all this stuff that we're talking about, that they're able to kind of, you know, look at the wrestling's working. you got athletic guys. you got great workers. That's what's working. Put that off to the side. Let's look at what's not working. Our finances, you know, going on the road, creative. Uh, contract negotiations. Let's fix the things that that seem to be holding us back, and, and more and more, like let's let's accentuate and, and showcase the wrestling. But let's make sure we have legit storylines there that you know we can have. You know these these matches kind of mean something. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Guys have been real patient on the line, so we're going to go out to the phone calls right now. And we got Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing right. How you doing tonight? All right. Uh, well, uh, 
It seems like we just had this conversation a couple weeks ago with uh, TNA here. It's it's pretty amazing, you know, how these things continue. You know, I I didn't, you know, going into this show this week, you know, we didn't anticipate. And, you know, we're going to talk about some some different things this week. Uh, You know, we're not going to spend the full show on this. But, uh, you know, the news continuing to come out of... uh, TNA is just is just not good, you know. Before actually, we can get back to this a little bit. You, you have a point about TNA, but I would like to ask you something, and we will switch gears right now uh, because I know Tony, you do follow ROH, and there was a story uh, that was released about Cassius Ono and uh, having issues with with Triple H and and pulled from NXT television. Um, for those of us who don't watch ROH or have caught ROH uh, sporadically, uh, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, this Cassius Ono, and and do you think like is he TV ready? Is he someone that could really enhance uh, the the current WWE product? Um, you know, actually, I haven't really seen too much of him. You know, like I said, because when I started watching ROH, I think he was on his way to WWE or developmental. Um, actually, I didn't even know he had issues with Triple H, but uh, I I mean, I think the guy's a good talent. You know, I know he's still in NXT. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him when they bring him up, if they ever do, but. Uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, yeah, the, the like report we're, the report we're hearing is that uh, Triple H uh, wanted to bulk him up a little bit, uh, wanted him to really work on his physique, and uh, he blew off some workouts, which did not make Triple H uh, very happy. So he was pulled off of NXT, and uh, his status right now is is kind of up in the air. So uh, you know, I've heard some positive stuff about him. Um, I was just curious, like, if it's something that, you know, if this is uh, detrimental to, uh, I mean, obviously this is not good for him, but is this detrimental to us as a fan? Is it someone that uh, would really, you know, enhance the WWE uh, product? So I was just curious. Uh, have you seen him wrestle? Not very often. I might have seen him in, like, uh, Final Battle of 2011. Maybe, you know, like, uh, he, was a, he, was, like, he was a surprise um, appearance at that show before we before we. But, um, so what's what's his I, style? I really... like? like, give us a little bit of like what 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 style does he wrestle? I think it's oh my god, I don't even remember. This was more than a year ago. It's like I say, I I don't know, I don't really know too much about the guy myself. I did, you know, like I say, I've seen him a couple times. I really don't know what kind of style he uh, he wrestles. But I think it's kind of similar to you know he he teamed with Cesaro. They were the kings of wrestling. And, um, from what I've from what I've seen in older stuff, like uh, especially watching um, some of the CM Punk uh, documentary, uh, they showed some footage of his matches with Punk, and uh, he's got somewhat of a strong style. He can move around and brawl, but he's very stiff. Um, lots of elbows, and you know, uh, as far as I can tell, I haven't seen enough of him. But um, he's. Uh, and, and from what he was wearing, I mean, this was, you know, back, you know, you know, over 10 years ago, you know, he, he didn't have the greatest look in the world. He, he looked very young, and um, but even even his, his ring gear, it just didn't resonate with me. It looked like, you know, he, he – I, I can't even explain what it looked like, but it just wasn't good looking. But, I mean, bell to bell, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was solid in the ring. Um, you know, his, his style, you know, but very hard-hitting and, and like, a, a strong style, you know, lots of – Elbows and, and and uppercuts and you know he's very stiff from what I've seen and but he can also fly around and move and he's much bigger than Punk so he's got to be like over six you know over six feet tall you know like maybe six four six five maybe I want to say but he's not a giant either. 
Oh, okay, so, oh, so that's what they get. Okay, yeah, I guess I haven't seen him wrestle that often, but uh, so okay, well. Even, and, you know, speaking like I say of ROH too, you know they've been uh, they got a, like a storyline going where uh, after like right after uh, the paper I pay per view they had last uh, June, you know the, the Briscoe Jay Briscoe was the champion. He fought his brother on the show, and now um, you know and, uh, they tape, they did a taping the next night where Jay Briscoe. I can spoil it since they've spoiled it themselves. He 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 retained the title against Matt Hardy because they got the, they had this group called Scum, and they were trying to like burn Ring of Honor on the ground or whatever. It's led by Steve Carino, and you know so then at next week's it's gonna it was this Team ROH versus Team Scum, and uh, Team ROH actually won. You know they won. Scum's been disbanded and everything, uh, but now they have like a 16 man tournament. Because they beat the crap out of Jay Briscoe after uh, he beat Matt, and uh, so the, I think the Briscoes have temporarily, at least the Jay has. I don't know about Mark. He's actually going to be in the tournament. I don't know how <laughs> what they're going to do, but the, like I said, they're having a 16-man tournament that's going to start on like July 27th, I believe. You know, it's going to have Elgin, Michael Elgin, Kevin Steen, Kendrick, uh, Paul London, and uh, you know. Uh, so I think uh, Sanjay Dutton is also in it. So is, uh, so is Lethal. But um, yeah, because that's the, that, that's the ROH status right now. Do you think you know? Because uh, I know ROH has had some issues. I mean, it's it's interesting to to see like how the the landscape of professional wrestling uh, unfolds. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, the current product with ROH. Are you satisfied with it right now? Do you like what's going on? Did you like the? You know, I mean, I saw some of the stuff from Matt Hardy. Uh, it seems some some like really entertaining stuff. Uh, do you think ROH is in a good place? Has it been some entertaining uh, stuff? Uh, do you think they're in trouble? And what are your thoughts uh, all around as far as uh, the direction ROH is going in? Um, I don't know. Like I said, they, um, their their uh, shows, like I said, you know, like their weekly TV shows and everything have have been good. You know, and um, you know, like from what I've been hearing, uh, they're. Their issue, they've had a lot of issues with the live uh, pay-per-view streamings, and they've actually, since the last one didn't work didn't work out too well, they actually just decided to pull the plug on it after a year and a half of doing that and always having issues for most of them. So uh, it seems like they're kind of falling back a little bit. You know, ever since the Sinclair uh, Broadcasting bought them out, I don't know, you know, like I say, I don't know what the deal with the... Um, you know, the pay-per-view is like I don't I don't know if they're gonna I don't even know if I, I don't think they're gonna be doing them live anymore. anymore. I think they're gonna be like you know they're gonna have these just like the big you know like I pay-per-views or whatever and then stream them later. So just because like you know a lot of times they had uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of live issues where the be like the people start buffering and a lot of fans would you know, like fans would actually miss a lot of stuff that would happen because they had, it had happened to me a couple times too when I watched them. Interesting. You know, I'll ask you the same question you know, we asked on Facebook about TNA. Again, it's, it's interesting to watch the, the wrestling landscape unfold. And, you know, there's there's the WWE and everybody else, and you can you can argue about, you know, who's second or third in, in uh, the business. But, you know, we asked TNA, and people went back and forth, uh, you know, will they be in business within the next three years? Um, is, is ROH going to survive? Are you confident that... Uh, you know, within three years, we'll still still see ROH uh, plugging away, or uh, could you see them eventually, uh, you know, going out of business? I don't know. It's really tough to say. You know, it's like I, said, I really, I hope both, I hope these companies don't go out of business because, like I said, you know, it's just kind of, you know, I hope we don't get another 
you know, I hope they do stay in business because the product has been really awesome. And, I, and the, same, the same with TNA, you know, because like I impact impact the show. I have, I absolutely love it. You know, Chris Saban winning the title, I, it was it was great. You know, I mean, it's you know, it's just too you know, it's like I said, it's too bad that the behind the scenes, both these both these two companies have got so so much difficulty. It's just you know, it's just it's just you know, it's such a shame. You know, it's like it's like I said, TNA is kind of like. What WCW used to be, it's like they're, they're, they're the, I, I think they're clearly the number two since they got a cable deal and everything. And Ring of Honor's number, you know, probably number three in the in like the, in the ECW position. But um, it's you know, that, I, I I hope they can both companies can find a way to uh, bounce back from these because you know, like I say, it's, like I said a couple weeks ago, you know, it's like for those who don't like WWE, it's like you know, Ring of Honor is is is, is an awesome alternative. For uh, you know, for fans who aren't into the uh, into the uh, you know soap opera stuff that uh, the WWE likes to do. Yeah, man, it's a shame. You know, I'd love to see ROH get it, get a TV deal where you know I could see them. Um, you know, I know they're on TV, but I I don't get their their TV program. I mean, I catch things for ROH uh, online when I can. Uh, I'll look up stuff on on YouTube. You know, like I said, I caught some of the stuff. Uh, that Matt Hardy was doing leading up to his uh, matches in ROH, but uh, you know it's uh, you know as again you go back to the '90s and how in- incredible it was to be a wrestling fan out there, and it's amazing when you think about. It. I mean, yeah, you know ECW was clearly third, but they were a strong third. You know, it's it's not like you're, you're looking at now. I mean, you had uh, you know millions of fans that you know, would put ECW as their, you know, top company, uh, their number one spot, their their favorite wrestling company. And it, it was, you know, when you look back at the time period with the, the WWE, WCW, and, and ECW, I mean, it was a pretty amazing time to be a wrestling fan. And the idea of having, you know, three strong companies again, uh, even if it is, you know, clearly one, two, and three, but you have three very strong companies for wrestling fans to be able to, you know, watch week in and week out. It really would be tremendous. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, it's funny because we talked a bit about this, uh, you know, a few shows ago where WWE has has done a great job at, at branding themselves. They are a brand. It's almost for a lot of fans, they are professional wrestling. And you don't have... You know, a lot of newer fans, I feel, are not, quote, wrestling fans. They're WWE fans. Uh, For those of us who are wrestling fans, we want to see multiple wrestling companies succeeding. We want to see multiple wrestling products on our TV. We want a choice out there uh, of what to watch. We want competition so each company is pushing the other company uh, so everyone is putting out uh, a better product. So, you know, I, I, I hope the best. I mean, I want to see TNA expand and get bigger. I want to see ROH expand and get bigger. I, I wish ROH was on my TV each and every week because uh, I'd love to watch them on a more regular basis. Tony is our expert blogger. He blogs each and every week on Raw, Impact, and SmackDown. As always, thank you so much for the call, Tony, and uh, we'll talk to you Tuesday. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks a lot for giving us a call. We'll talk to you then. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. You never know. We were talking a little bit about TNA. We, we wind up breaking into an ROH conversation. And, uh, again, ROH puts out a much different product, but they don't have the uh, the infrastructure to really get out there. And, and when we talk about business decisions and, and you know, what's going on, uh, the iPay-Per-View 
debacle, uh, definitely something that, that hit them hard. And when you're a company like that that's small and, and not everybody is following them on a daily basis and knowing what they're doing on a daily basis, um, it's tough for a company to survive things like that when the – you know, you don't know what's going on with ROH, and then the the press, the major news that comes out is something negative. Uh, it it kind of hurts a smaller company trying to, you know, find their spot, you know, make their statement on the on the wrestling uh, landscape. And you know, and Dave, I mean, when it comes to ROH, you know, you and I both, you know, we don't get them on our TV show, TV programs, TV our cable providers, but we would love to be able to sit down and really kind of get more in-depth and, and more familiar with everything that goes on in ROH. So I don't know about you, but I, I would love to see them expand and see their TV deal expand. Absolutely. I mean, you know, more wrestling is better wrestling, at least for me. Um, yeah, I, I, w- I would love to see it. I, I think at one time I could be wrong. Tony might know this. Um, you know, I know you can answer on the chat, but uh, I think they had a deal with, like, the fight network that's that's carried by DirecTV at one point, but it was you know a small, you know small. The fight network was one of those subscription channels that you know not a lot of people um, picked up. You saw you know a lot of um, you know lower card boxing on that channel as well as um, you know uh, some uh, smaller MMA outfits. Uh, so I, Ring of Honor, I mean, for the ten years that they have been in business, they have. Uh, you know they've done okay for themselves, but it's just I think what it really is in the wrestling world, you know, at least in the the general sense, is that there when people think wrestling, they think the WWE, and if it doesn't look like it or feel like it, on it, people turn away from it. But then there's that hardcore wrestling fan that will sit and sit through it and and watch and just give it a try and check it out. But you get them general fans that, you know, don't order every pay-per-view or they'll watch Raw religiously and, you know, they, they, they go to the shows, but they're not, you know, hardcore reading the spoilers on the Internet and, you know, doing talk shows like we do. And they, they'll, they won't, they won't bat an eye at seeing what the other, you know, what else is out there. Um, so I think, it, especially with Ring of Honor and TNA, it's it's about name recognition and getting it out there that there's something else out there for people to see. Um, it's just a matter of having the resources to do that. Um, and unfortunately, some of these smaller companies don't have that. And it's almost like they try to play catch up and be just as big as the WWE in a short amount of time when the WWE didn't get as big, you know, overnight. It took time for them. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's all about timing, in my opinion. And I think if you, you're patient with it, especially TNA, if you're patient with it um, and, and, and make smart decisions and don't try to do what the other competition does and have something that stands out as something different but something good to watch, then I think that they'll get, to a point where not where they're bigger than the WWE, but where they're big enough for themselves that they can handle it. And and same thing goes for Ring of Honor too. I totally agree. I mean, and, and when it comes to wrestling, you know, perception is is reality with with everything. You know, like you're saying, I mean, people like our, our WWE fans. WWE is professional wrestling. I mean, for us right now, you know, wrestling on fire and ECPW merging right now. Um, you know, as far as our TV deal goes, we're actually third um, as far as wrestling companies. It's as far as, you know, we're we're seen in over 10 countries. Uh, we're 
over 20 million households. Uh, you know, I think we're moving into South America come uh, the, the fall later on next year. So, you know, we're we're expanding, but, you know, I'm not ignorant. I mean, I know that as far as wrestling fans go, there's – there's WWE, there's there's TNA, probably a distant third is ROH, and then it's it's every other company, and it's trying to kind of get your name out there and build that name recognition, and it's difficult. It's it's really difficult to kind of in a landscape where there's so many independent promotions out there, and there's you know quite a number of big independent promotions out there, and you know trying to make that name for yourself, trying to get on TV and you know, it's just it's a difficult landscape with a, a juggernaut like the WWE on top of everything. So it's 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 just a difficult business to be in, and you hope you kind of find your niche somewhere along the line. I know we're hoping that we find our niche, uh, you know, going forward with uh, our TV product. And and be sure to check out our, our website over there because we're uh, we're excited actually going forward. Just to let you guys in on a little secret. We're going to have a, a big title match. We're going to unify the ECPW Heavyweight Championship and the Wrestling on Fire Championship. So we're kind of of the thought, you know, the less titles, the uh, the more significance the titles are going to have. So we're going to be unifying those those belts. So check out ecpw1.com as well as Wrestling on Fire for all the information uh, coming up. But, you know, again, we're trying to make a name for ourselves too. So it's difficult as you, you go forward just – you have this juggernaut. You have Goliath on top of the mountain, and uh, everyone else. It's it's almost like the rest of us are just puppies. There's the adults sitting at the adult table, uh, you know, eating dinner, and as the crumbs fall, we're all kind of scurrying under there, uh, trying to grab our, our crumbs. But uh, you know, again, I I would love to see different companies. Ha- you know, every day of the week, there's another company that's got a a decent program on, and and competition kind of breeds better wrestling, and that would be. That would be tremendous for wrestling fans. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to get to you guys. A few of you guys have been really, really patient on hold. We're going to go right out to the phones after our break. But you know what it's time for. You only get it here. It's time for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. As he just said, you only get it here, the Day 5 News Report, every Sunday at the top of the hour. Only on the Ken Rudy Show. Hashtag Dave 5. Our first story this week, since we are on the topic of TNA, WrestleZone.com reports another potential embarrassing story for TNA this week at a house show last night from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Sources are saying that several TNA stars were unable to perform at last night's show due to, in parentheses, paperwork issues. New TNA world champion Chris Sabin, Gail Kim, Miss Tessmacher, Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff were all taken off last night's show as announced by TNA agent Simon Diamond, a.k.a. Pat Kenny, before the evening began. TNA offered full refunds or a free meet-and-greet to compensate for the unannounced changes to the card. Some sources indicate that the paperwork issues could be those performers did not have wrestling licenses in the state of Missouri. After changes were made, only eight wrestlers were left to perform, with some pulling double duty and some talent staying later after the show, taking pictures and signing autographs to make up for the shift in the card. In more TNA news, this weekend in Danville, Illinois, TNA Tag Team Champion James Storm was injured during a tag team match. Storm teamed with Tag partner Gunner against the Aces and Eights, Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff, when he tagged in Gunner and suddenly couldn't move. 
The finish to the match was rushed immediately, and EMTs were called to the ring. A stretcher was brought out by Storm. A stretcher was brought out, but Storm refused and left on his own accord. The show was reportedly delayed due to the arrival of the EMTs tending the Storm. No word on what the injury is or if Storm will miss any ring time. Our third story this week, the WWE is planning on holding their own weekend-long convention taken after the popular San Diego Comic-Con. The plan is for the convention to be held over four days in the same city as a major pay-per-view. No timetable has been set, as WWE officials are still working on plans and reaching out to fans via surveys to gauge their interest. The four-day event, likely Thursday to Sunday, would be for far more like a comic convention than WWE's current access events held over WrestleMania weekend with many different attractions. Early plans are to have a VIP ticket in the $100 to $150 range as well as general admission tickets. These tickets will be separate from the pay-per-view event. Early markets under consideration for the first convention are New York City, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Philadelphia, Miami, San Antonio, New Orleans, and Orlando. Speaking of the WWE COO, Triple H, he confirmed on Twitter this week that the WWE is planning on taking NXT events on the road outside of Florida. He added this would be for live events only as they will continue to tape NXT TV at Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. And our final story this week, former WWE superstar Matt Bourne, who portrayed the original Doink the Clown, had passed away a little over a month ago. His cause of death has been revealed this week via an autopsy. According to TMZ.com, the cause of death has been deemed an accidental drug overdose. The medical examiner discovered high levels of the opiates morphine and hydrocone in his system at the time of his death. Season 9, The Search or The Return for El Rotundo Genioso is on. Check it out. The Gun Show. YouTube slash The Gun Show Web TV. Feel the heat every Friday night on MeTV, 11 p.m., Wrestling on Fire. Ken Reedy and Ray Ray Mars give you all the action for Wrestling on Fire. MeTV, 11 p.m., every Friday night. Hashtag Feel the Heat. Fantasy sports has taken over professional sports. Well, now... Fantasy Wrestling is taking over professional wrestling. Check them out, realfantasywrestling.com. And there you have it, folks. That is the Day 5 News Report, only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show every single Sunday night. Ken, back to you. It's cool. You're reporting on the uh, the potential of WWE doing a Comic-Con-type convention Uh I actually, I don't, you know, somewhere along the line, I signed up for something. So I get these consumer surveys, and that was one of them, them uh, trying to plan out and talk about uh, a convention, and they were getting uh, fan input, which I think is great, that before they they plan these things out, they want fan input. And uh, a lot of the things that they're planning sound uh, really cool. They uh, There's going to be daily tickets um, that you can buy. They, they asked how many days. You would want the convention to go for. They asked, uh, you know, how many days would you go uh, if there was a convention. Uh, they asked uh, if you would want it in conjunction with a pay-per-view, and they actually asked, would would you be more likely or less likely to go if it was a conjunction uh, with a pay-per-view. They also asked what kind of vendors you'd want to be there. So lots of stuff, and it was interesting. They also asked, there was, uh, you know, the whole if if the ticket was if the VIP ticket was a hundred dollars, would you be uh, 
you know, very likely, likely, no way I'm buying it, kind of. And then they did it for like 125 and 150. So obviously it was, yeah, I'd go for 100, maybe for 125, definitely not going for 150. But uh, even that, like, depending on who they get and if they're getting like high and upper echelon talent, you know, for a VIP ticket, uh, depending on what the events are, like, you know, 100 bucks to me is not bad if you're not spending, you know, a lot of these conventions you go to, like you spend twenty dollars for a ticket to go into uh, the event, and then you're paying per autograph. So I mean, you could wind up spending a lot more than a hundred bucks if WWE is going to do a Comic Con type convention, and it's going to be like a hundred dollar ticket, and then once you get in, the autographs and stuff are included. I, to me, that's a good idea. I'd spend the money. How about you, Dave? Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, if they're going to go forward with this, if this is, you know, serious plans, the one thing for me personally as a fan, um, you know, that point that you just made, you know, is taken into strong consideration because I don't want to go and pay for something and then have to go in and pay for something else when I get there. But it's got to differentiate from what access, WrestleMania access is, because in a sense, that's, you know, a four-hour convention you go to, really, at WrestleMania, um, you know, and you, you get in, you pay your ticket, you know, and you can go buy merchandise, watch live matches, play the video games, take pictures with, the, you know, the, the guys, get autographs, stuff like that, but it's got to be different, in my opinion, than what the actual access events are, because, um, and if they're going to do it at, you know, pay-per-views, you know, switch it up a little bit, you know, each month with, you know, obviously different guys, but different kinds of attractions um, that people would want to see. Because, you know, I mean, you and I have spoken about it on the show before to our listeners, but, you know, every year access is pretty much virtually the same. Um, the, the same kind of events, you know, the same kind of attractions. You get the Undertaker graveyard. You get to see the live matches. You know, you get to go by the video game booth and the action figure booth and, you know, all the other stuff. But it's virtually all the same. Really, what that is is designed for is for the locals, you know, that, that go into WrestleMania weekend who had never seen an access event before. That's brand new to them. That's, you know, wow, that's great. But, you know, WrestleMania, you know, access for people like us, we've seen all that every year. It's the same stuff. So I would just hope that it's got a different feel and a different kind of setup to it than the actual WrestleMania access conventions. And maybe if there's, you know, large success of these type of conventions, you know, on some of these pay-per-view weekends that they incorporate some of that stuff to make access better. I mean, that's just my thought. Some of the things that they were looking at, which I kind of like the whole idea, they, you know, part of the survey was, you know, have you attended access? What are some things you'd like to see added? There was even a point where you get like, they asked you if there's something that wasn't mentioned, what would you like added? Um, one of the things that, that's more specific to like what Comic-Con is like, like if you go to Comic-Con, there are events in there where you can go and, you know, a specific comic book writer or a panel of writers will be discussing something in, in a room. Uh, you know, in fact, WWE has been at Comic-Con where you'll get a panel of people from the WWE, you know, there to ask questions. That was one of the things on the survey that I thought was interesting. You know, they asked, would you want a, a senior level WWE official uh, as part of a panel that you could go and like listen to them speak and perhaps ask them questions? So I think what they're looking at to get away from, you know, would still have look, access is kind of a convention kind of thing, so there there definitely would be similarities, but it sounded like 
they they definitely want to go they want to go bigger uh from my perception of of taking the survey and kind of go in the direction of really what what Comic-Con is so have uh, a lot of different vendors uh different things uh you know even like fitness uh vendors there you know just stuff that like you can at least remotely tie to professional wrestling so uh they're definitely looking to to be bigger and it sounds like it would be a, a bigger uh, event than what access is it's just like you're saying if if it's a hundred bucks for the vip and i don't have to pay anything else aside from maybe food once i get in then i'm cool with that if it's a hundred bucks and then i'm spending more money on different things when i'm in there then you know that's something i have to rethink but uh it was cool taking the survey and and to me again we talk about you know wwe and things working for them uh it, it sounded like a good idea uh It'd be interesting. I kind of like they asked also what pay per view you would like it tied to, uh, if you could pick a pay per view. And with all the pomp and circumstances surrounding WrestleMania already, I kind of wanted to see it uh, added to Royal Rumble. I love the Royal Rumble. Yeah. I think it's a great pay per view and and kind of to beef up the uh, the special feel of of the Rumble. I, I would love to see their uh, Comic Con or WrestleCon. Uh, WrestleCon is WrestleCon taken? That's taken. WWE Con. You know, whatever they wind up calling it, I think uh, sports entertainer. Con. Was that? They'll call it Vince Con since Vince. he owns everything. And so it sounds cool. I mean, I'm excited as a wrestling fan, but you know what? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We had some people who have been really patient on on the phone line, so we're gonna go right out there. We got Mr. Trivia on the line. Trivia, are you there? Yeah. Hey, how you doing, guys? How you doing? Thanks a lot for holding on this evening. I know it's been a while. What do you think for us? Uh, no problem for you guys. I'd wait all night on the phone just to talk to you. Um, guys, a couple couple of points. Um, now that uh, Chris Jer- now that Chris Jericho is either leaving or already left, uh, do you see the WWE maybe uh, putting Van Dam like in a spot with Jer- that Jericho had, like putting a lot of people over, or is it just one of those things where he's just gonna come in wrestle maybe? get a title or something or wrestle a couple main event matches and see how it goes from there. I, I think he is going to kind of slaughter. I mean, I don't think he's as good as Jericho, um, but I, I almost think that match on Monday night was kind of that, uh, you know, changing of the guard kind of thing. And, and RVD is going to be taking kind of that spot. Um, that would, I mean, I'm guessing and I'm, I'm inferring. What do you think, Dave? I think I think it's going to be a mixture of both. I, I think you'll see some you know some some matches with him with some main event level talent, but I think he's also going to be putting some people over. A rumor I heard um, late last week was that the plan for RVD um, going forward is that he's going to have a, a world title program with Alberto Del Rio at SummerSlam, and um, being that Del Rio is you know about three years young in the company um, on television, um, having Del Rio be the name like Van Dam, who's got a large fan base, um, would definitely boost his credibility um, more, um, you know, on television and as a champion. So um, I think Van, excuse me, Van Dam working with, you know, a guy like him and other guys like Punk, Daniel Bryan, um, you know, and then even seeing some matches that he's, you know, I mean, 
It was a throwback with Jericho, and it was great. You know, both those guys are in their 40s, and they outclassed half of that roster, if not more, of, of, of some of those guys on that on that roster. So, um, you know, experience helps a long way, and I think his experience um, in the ring is going to help some of these younger talents um, improve in ring wise and you know in in storylines. So I see a little, I see a little mixture of both. He's gonna he's gonna be in the spotlight, but he's also gonna help some of the younger talent and uh, you know help put over some of the other guys. Yeah, that's um, that was one of the things I was thinking about too. Also, the good thing about uh, you know getting to talk on the show and getting to talk with you guys and um, living in the good old U.S. of A. is we get to express our opinions, so to speak. And uh, Dave, you had mentioned something about what had happened with Doink and the autopsy report and everything. Now, in my opinion, an accidental overdose isn't that just like uh, cleaning a gun and it accidentally goes off? I mean, how can it be an accidental overdose? To me, that just doesn't seem, uh, you know, physically feasible. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's a good point. It's just, you know, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. You you, you play with fire, eventually you're going to get burned. I think it's it's really just to differentiate that it, you know, he wasn't sitting in a hotel room looking to commit suicide and, uh, you know, took this stuff. They just, you know... He just he played with fire, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I I get your point. I I totally understand it. Um, you know, and I agree with you in, in a certain sense. I mean, but you also, you know, once again, hashtag I'm not an expert, but <laughs> there are people out there that you know play like you said, play with fire, and you know, they get burned. Uh, you know, there there are junkies out there that you know take pills and take too many pain prescription pills and they don't know when too much is enough until you know they get a close call or when they're dead so i mean you know he is a professional wrestler he was he was a professional wrestler i mean maybe you know the pain was just too much for him and you know he took a little too much on that particular day and you know that's when you know that was when the end took place i mean i don't know i mean you know some people don't know their limits or, the, or just some people just don't think properly and think that, you know, they're untouchable, that everything's going to be okay. I mean, you know, all three of us sitting here, you know, have watched wrestling, you know, for, for, for many, many, many years, and we've all listened to stories and read interviews of guys that have, you know, have have had a lot of close calls when it comes to, you know, prescription medication and, you know, and, and, and almost dying. I mean, you know, I read Roddy Piper's book, and, you know, he – he he told a story once where he was in a room where he he was traveling with uh, Kurt Henning and uh, Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado, and one they were somebody was doing something I don't know what kind of drug but they were doing something and uh, I forget which one of the two but one of them one of them almost fell off the ledge of a window at a hotel and Jesus Christ one of them almost fell off the ledge of a window at a hotel and that was the end of it, you know what I mean? And they were on something. So, you know, you really don't know your limits until something happens, at least in my opinion, unless you, uh, uh, you know, unless you are smart about what you're taking. Um, so, I mean, it could, it, we'll never know the true facts if he, I mean, maybe the doctors just saw the amount of levels of stuff he was taking and the way his body had reacted to it. And they thought, but just by looking at it from a medical standpoint, that they understood why he took as much as he did, but he took a little too much on that day. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert, but. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, there was a thing on a, a website a while back. It was called uh, WCW uh, US Dynasty or something, and they had asked a question. And I just want to point to, uh, bring this up to you guys and uh, see what you say about it. Uh, they had put, posted something on their page that said, if there was a wrestler now that has passed away that you could bring back for one day to hang out with, who would you? Who would it be? And I typed in Brian Pillman because I was a big Brian Pillman fan even back in the Cincinnati Bengal days. But one guy had posted Chris Benoit. So I typed back to the guy. I said, look, after what Benoit did, I don't even want his, you know, when we talk, I don't even want you to mention his name in a conversation with me. Then the guy starts and he goes, well, he says, to be honest with you, he says, I don't think Benoit did it. I think it was Kevin Sullivan. Oh, my God, really? We're on that theory again? <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know, I, says, I, don't even, I don't even know anything about Kevin Sullivan. I don't even know if Kevin Sullivan is still alive or whatever. I said, oh, well, that's your opinion, and you're stuck with it. And one quick thing, a TNA. Dave, I thought that all wrestlers have to be licensed in every state. They do. They absolutely do, but there are some states where, like, where where I've heard stories where there, there are some states where, you know, there isn't even somebody from an athletic commission, you know, checking them and testing for blood work and, and, and blood pressure and giving them a physical before they have their matches. I've, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of indie shows get away with, you know, athletic commissions, you know, not, they, they get lucky sometimes with athletic commissions not even being around for some of these shows. Um, and then there are other cases where, you know, in some states, it all depends on who's running the athletic commission in, you know, whatever state or whatever county um, in those particular states. But I've heard stories where there are guys that don't have licenses or girls that don't have licenses in that particular state. They show up to the building, the athletic commission asks for a license. They say they don't have one in the state, and they can they can purchase one on the spot and get, like, a temporary card or a form or something, and then they'll get the other one in the mail. Because they have to file for taxes at the end of the year as a 1099 to, uh, in, 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 you know, the states that they worked in. So it, it varies, but, I mean, they all should have a license. In, in, in every state that they that they've worked in, but it all depends on the commission who's running it and how lucky some of these these shows, you know, get with some of these uh, officials from the athletic commissions not being there. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. It was a pleasure calling in and talking to you guys again. Uh, unfortunately, my Tuesday phone calls aren't going to happen for a while, so I'll just be talking to you on Sundays. So, guys, have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. Tdd, thanks a lot for the call, right. Mr. Trivia. It was interesting, like, not to get morbid, but I don't know, Dave, did you catch the, on uh, this is the bio channel that uh, you, you brought up Roddy Piper. Uh, there's the, the haunting of Roddy Piper on the bio channel where uh, a medium came and, and visited Roddy's house. No, I didn't catch it, but Roddy's actually been on TV as of late. Um, apparently there was a screening for uh, They Live this weekend. Um, yes. I think it you know, I want to say in Philadelphia, but also he's going to be on a future episode of the FX hit TV show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I actually saw a clip of it. One of the uh, the guys on the show was um, being interviewed on the Conan O'Brien show, so they showed the clip, and basically what the clip was is that Piper was some old, broken-down, uh, retired pro wrestler. He played himself as Roddy Piper, and... These, you know, I'm not too familiar with that show. It's a, it's a real dark comedy show, from what I understand. But these yeah, guys, yeah, he's, he's been on before. These, so these guys he's... are 
sell him like a pyramid scheme on how to make money, but they admit that they can't guarantee him money. <laughs> it should be interesting. I mean, he's been on the show before, uh, but it definitely seems like Piper's uh, kind of getting out there a little bit. Uh, the the medium show is interesting. I mean, brutally honest, I think the uh, the medium was full of shit. Uh, excuse my French, but I don't I don't believe for one second. That, I mean, she was relaying stuff, and she's, like, saying, you know, oh, what, I, what he's telling me. And, and, and it, it's stuff that, you know, as a wrestling fan, you, you could have researched it. You know, so she would, you know, try to, uh, you know, she'd reference Adrian Adonis. She's like, and this is a friend of yours. A friend, I'm getting an A. I'm getting an A. I'm getting an A. And there was there was a, there was a car accident or something. There was a, a, a wreck. He was, he was, he was young. He was, he, he was young. To, and then Brody's like, oh, my God. Adrian, he died in a car accident. Like, oh, that's definitely it. That's definitely it. So it was, I, I didn't really buy it from her. It was interesting to see, uh, you know, Roddy's uh, reaction to things because uh, it, it, his emotions on the show definitely seemed genuine, and he seems like he's he's a bit of a tortured soul. And he talked talked a lot about uh, uh, Adrian Adonis, his relationship with Adrian. Uh, Supposedly his story was that he he actually saw Adrian's ghost uh, in his living room, and that's why he was willing to bring a medium into the house. But there was Adrian. uh, He talked a lot about his father as well as uh, Mr. Perfect. Um, So it was was interesting just to see Roddy's uh, emotional connection to uh, the wrestlers that have passed. He definitely – I I thought Roddy was genuine, and I thought his emotions were genuine, and uh, he seemed like a – a pretty scarred guy as far as all the death he's he's been around and, and the different wrestlers that died. Uh, the one thing that really bothered me, that one point, Dave, the medium is actually sitting there and she's like, there's another spirit coming through. There's another spirit coming. There's a spirit coming through and uh, another one uh, died young. I'm, I'm getting the sense of, uh, I'm getting an O. I'm getting an O. There's an O in there. They they fell. They I, It's an O and they, they fell from a great distance. They there was a fall involved. Uh, they they weren't supposed. They were doing something. Then and then Roddy's like Owen, and she's like, yeah, Owen. Owen's definitely it. Owen is the name I'm getting. It's coming through. And I was like, you could have read that in a newspaper. I, I mean, is she seriously like trying to play that she's talking to Owen Hart? But uh, and it was. It you, was to all you what? future professional to all you future professional wrestlers out there, some of you kids that listen to the show and want to be wrestlers someday, that's living proof you should never do drugs when you're when you're a professional wrestler right there, in my opinion. Never do drugs. Because you're point. gonna end up on a, you're gonna end up on a TV show and you are gonna whore yourself out to make a few extra bucks just so that some gypsy can tell you a bunch of <laughs> bullshit. Like yeah. that. That's, I'm glad I didn't watch that because I would I would have threw my remote at the T V. She was, I mean, again, the interesting thing was to see Roddy's reaction to things, and he does seem like someone that is really, you know, essentially tortured by whether you believe, you believe the ghosts are actually there or just, quote, ghosts of his past, but he's definitely, it seems like he's a, a tortured soul when it comes to uh, these guys who are in his life. So, I mean, that aspect of the show is interesting, but I... I do not believe for one instant that 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 medium is actually legit. Um, and it's interesting because she's got her own show. She's got a, she does, which has got to be easier because she does celebrity hauntings. So she goes to celebrity houses and 
you know, I guess there there are celebrities that believe they're being haunted and and tries to uh, find out who's haunting them. But they're celebrities, so you can go and research their life, figure out people that have died in their life, and then go there and pretend you're contacting the spirits. Hey, go figure. It was it was interesting. So you want to check it out? The haunting of Roddy Piper on. The Bio Channel, 347-838-9815. Wow, we've been all over the place. Some TNA, some WWE, some ghost stories, and now we'll we'll bring Mike on the line. What do you got for us this evening, Mike? All right, well, last, well, last night I heard um, about the TNA um, house show debacle. I actually posted what I read, um, and I put it on my Facebook. I heard um, when... Uh, I heard when Pat Kenny uh, addressed the fans, he said, Simon has a problem. Yeah. And you know what? And you know what? Simon Diamond has a problem. TNA has a problem. You guys are talking about ROH? TNA might be gone. TNA might be might be out of here. They're releasing a lot of wrestlers and letting a lot of wrestlers go. And uh, I think it's I think a lot of it is because they're paying the Hulkster a lot of money. Um, it's. I mean, that's got to be part of it. I mean, it, you know. Well, and again, brother, are you crazy? Of course, it's part of it, my brother. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Hulk Hogan, pasta mania, Hulkamania. He's got everything going. He's the guy that put that took the money. He's the guy that 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 you know TNA. Uh, I think is going bankrupt by. I mean, he brought in a lot of his friends. Heck, his daughter's uh, got to be making some money off of it. You know. Well, ahead, yeah, Ken. what other talent does she have? Hey, exactly. she's very talented. I, I love Brooke, all right? I love Brooke. <laughs> the, way, the way she calls out Bubba's name, oh, Mark, I just, I, I laugh when I hear her call his name. It's funny. Solid promo skills from Brooke Hogan. I mean, it's a tough call. <laughs> and again, not knowing their finances, yeah, I mean. for our, out of approval. <laughs> you got to look at, like, Hogan as, look, if, if the salary they decided to pay Hogan, they couldn't afford. Well, that was silly to bring in Hogan for that amount of money. Uh, I get it with TNA. It's, it's kind of you wind up with a Hulk Hogan. It winds and up being Bischoff a double-edged too. sword. What was that? And Bischoff. Agreed. Now, Bischoff is different in a sense that, you know, to me, I, I don't know what, what Bischoff is contributing. And it's The thing with Hogan is your your wrestling company – that's trying to build notoriety. You know, the idea of, all right, well, firing or, or letting go or when his contract ends, just letting him walk, you know, taking a guy who's arguably the most recognizable figure in the history of pro wrestling and thinking, all right, the good thing would be to let him go. You know, it's it's tough for me to say, well, that's, you know, the right way to go. But at the same time, if they're overpaying him and they can't afford him, well, then maybe letting him go is the right thing. I mean, I, I think right now Hogan in, in TNA, is it's a double-edged sword. He does bring a certain recognition to the product, uh, but at the same – you know, when you go to see a TNA live event, and I know they've had issues, but I'm sure there are fans out there that when they see Hogan on the bill – Hulk Hogan's going to be there this evening. They're more likely to buy tickets than if he wasn't. So it's it's definitely a double-edged sword, and I think what TNA has to look at is, well, the money they're doling out for Hogan 
is it worth it as far as the return that's coming back? And that's a question I can't answer, but it's definitely well, something w- they have to look at. Well, when WCW did it, obviously, Turner, they could afford it. I mean, they brought Hogan yeah. in, they brought Hall and Nash in. They, I mean, it took them a while before they finally surrendered to Vince. But, you know, I mean, TNA's having a lot of problems. They cut back their pay-per-views. Um, their house shows are doing – no, their house shows are doing good when they come to – New York and New Jersey, um, they are doing good, but I, I, I just don't, you know, I just don't, don't get it. I, you know, I, I think they're trying to compete with uh, WWE, and I just think they're going to lose. It's not something um, that I, I just don't know. Oh, by the way, Dave, to answer your question, but well, before um, ROH was on HDNet. Okay, I knew it was on one of them channels. I just, I. And, I I did like it when they were on there. I used to watch it all the time um, when they was when it, they when they were is, on it. Is this, was it a subscription channel? Because I because stories I've heard no. and I don't know who it is, but that some of those chan- like some of the Directv subscribers didn't have those channels. They had, hmm. didn't have a particular channel. I had it, um, and it was uh, and it was and I have yeah. it now actually on Verizon. I have Verizon. Okay, but, uh, but, no, but yeah, yeah, but I, I mean that's just the. That's just the, the 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 problem. I mean, listen. I watched TNA this past week. Um, you know, I, I still think that Joseph Park is is not doing anything for me. Maybe he's doing something for you guys. I don't I don't see him as a as a man's man wrestler. I, I don't know. They keep on bringing them out. I don't know. I I just think there's a lot of other issues that that TNA um, needs to look at. You know, they're doing the main event mafia. Now they brought in that other guy. I don't know what the heck his name is, the UFC guy. They brought him in. Rampage is Jackson. That, yeah, is that the is this the answer? I mean, is this, you know, maybe aces and eights versus them. I mean, but is that the answer to have, you know, you have Sting in a, in a suit. You have these guys walking around like you're the godfather. And I don't know. It's just, to me, you know. And same thing with WWE. I mean, you have the Wyatts attacking people. Now that was the Shield. The Shield attacks people. You know, I, I don't. I don't understand it. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, the 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 Wyatts attacking people and the Shield attacking people. It does. I, I mean, I I I I'm still optimistic about what we're going to get out of the Wyatts. But when they went after our truth, I, I started thinking to myself, this is. This is a little too similar to the Shield. Again, I, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to totally bash because I, I I love everything else I've seen. But I I will agree with you that I did think for that moment like eh, let's let's kind of pull away from that and not be a you know <laughs> the second version of the Shield. What do you think, Dave? I, I I agree with you. I mean, I I would have liked to have seen them, you know, further. I mean, I think they still are furthering something with Kane by what, you know, Wyatt said in the promo after he had, you know, laid out our truth on Monday night. Um, I would like to have seen maybe more like in-ring promos or just like even like an overall like creepy presence that they bring to the locker room and not necessarily like just go out and attack people, but like, you know, kind of get, kind of put people on notice and, you know, let them know. I mean, they made a big splash with Kane, but, you know, you don't have to necessarily jump everybody, you know, that, that, that you know, is, that is out there. Um, you know, the only way I would think that, in my opinion, that would be cool if they had the Wyatts come out every week and just beating up random guys on TV is if the Shield were to come out and say, wait a minute, this is our yard. Like, 
we did this, you know, this is how we made a name for ourselves. This is what we do, you know, you you know, you're not stepping on our territory. Maybe they maybe they, you know, set something up between the, the two factions down the road, but um I mean, that's what a lot of fans want to see. But, you know, like I said, if they had the Wyatts, you know, coming out and doing that every, you know, couple of weeks and then the Shield come out and just say, whoa, hold on a minute, you know, you're taking a page out of our book. We're the big dogs over here. We're the new young cats. You know, we're, we took out the Undertaker, you know, like big big deal. You took out his brother Kane. And then maybe he set something up with the two of them, and, you know, for something, you know, in the, in the fall or maybe even heading into WrestleMania um, for next year. I mean, that's a, another match that's been, you know, highly – uh, talked about, not, you know, rumored by the WWE, but just amongst most wrestling fans. But um, I, mean, I am very optimistic about what the Wyatts have planned. Um, and I'll, you know, give you a little uh, a, a little scoop, and uh, you heard it here first. But, um, you know, we're going to we're gonna talk about, you know, what took place with John Cena and Daniel Bryan on uh, Monday night. But rumors I'm hearing is that once John Cena and Daniel Bryan are done, there's talk of possibly having Cena out of the title picture and having him do something with the Wyatt to help give them a rub. So, uh, you know, they'll be it will be very similar to how the Shield was brought in, where they work with the big dogs first. Um, and I think it will definitely help the Wyatts working with a guy like John Cena, if that's true. I I think I think you guys are uh, hitting it right on. I think Dave, you hit it right on the head. Most people would say they want to see the Wyatts versus the Shield. I mean, two factions, you know. Um, and, and and again, if they're going to bring them in, then I want to see how how good they wrestle, and I want to see them start wrestling single matches or whatever with the two guys out there or whatever or six man tag. Now, rumor has it for SummerSlam, Mark Henry got attacked by the Shield. Rumor has it that there's going to be a six man tag involving the Shield and Mark Henry and them. Um, and then something happened with the Wyatts. They might. I mean, what are they going to have? Two six-man tags? I, I wouldn't do that. But what do you I've think? Been, I've been hearing a Kane Bray Wyatt one-on-one match. Um, I've heard possibilities of having Mark Henry tag with the Big Show against the Shield. Um, uh, an idea I think would be interesting because Mark Henry, you know, is just coming off this, you know, uh, tremendous run with John Cena. Um, you know, Henry didn't do himself a lot of favors amongst, you know, most of the guys in the locker room by doing that and the reaction that, it, you know, it gotten on television in terms of, uh, you know, from a storyline standpoint. But I would have Mark Henry, you know, he's the world's strongest man. He's a badass mother, you know. Like, have him take on all three members of the Shield in a, in a, in a handicap match, like a handicap elimination match or a gauntlet-style match. To, and, you know, the guys in the locker room can approach Mark Henry and say, you need our help, man. You can't do this alone. And, you know, he's, you know, big, bad Mark Henry. That's what I do. I take guys out. I'm going to take all three of them out. And, you know, and, yeah, and you know can- if I, yeah, right. But now if I was right, exactly. But now if I was the, the, the locker room, all the faces should say, you know what, Mark, we don't want no part of you and let you go on your own and do it yourself. That would be good. That's another direction you could take that, too, as well. It's very, it's a very, uh, you know, a good point that you make there, Mike. Well, that's, why I'm in the wrestling, that's why I'm in the wrestling business. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, that's I'm, why I do what I do. You know, like Mark Henry says, I do what I do. Yeah. Uh, I here's love a, here's something I'm, that I'm, I'm know? thinking as we're talking about. I mean, recognizing that the Shield uh, were the ones that took out The Undertaker, and as of right now, the Wyatt family's taken out Kane. 
you know, going forward down the road, and now we have, uh, you know, Mark Henry having issues with the Shield. Uh, what about your uh, traditional Survivor Series match? Oh, the Wyatt and the Shield. The Wyatt, the Wyatt and, and the Shield. Shield. And you have the Brothers of Destruction put together their own badass team and adding Mark Henry to that mix. With and and uh, with our truth and little Jimmy, yeah, I see. <laughs> I think little Jimmy got away. Little Jimmy got away. I think that night. <laughs> um, well, I, I I agree. You know, Survivor Series. And you know, it's funny. We're not even up to SummerSlam, and already here we go, Survivor Series. I think that would be a good match to see. And in that match, I wouldn't be surprising me if the Wyatt by accident hits. The Shield, that'd be great. There would be so much fighting going on. That'd be that'd be good. Uh, that'd be very good. And and to see the Undertaker at Survivor Series, if they decided, that'd be great too. You know, why hold the Undertaker back? You know, he can do one match and then disappear or whatever, and then start the the WrestleMania season. Why not? I mean, unless he's really you know getting old and he's sick or whatever. But I don't know. The way he looked at WrestleMania, he looked fine to me. He did look good, and I think that's part of it. You know, we're talking like you're saying we're talking Survivor Series. I mean, hell, on this show uh, last great. week we we were talking about WrestleMania 31. So uh, I think what it is is that for wrestling fans right now, we're, when it comes to the WWE, there's a lot of young talent, new talent, and and as a wrestling fan, look, I mean, you can talk as, until you're blue in the face, and people love saying like. You know, stop being a fantasy booker. Like, but we all do it. We all do it. If you're a wrestling fan, if you don't post it, you don't talk about it, you're thinking it. Everyone's, like, booking how they'd want to see things go. And it's it's a fun time to speculate on that right now because there are so many new faces and talented faces and wondering, like, what direction everything's going to go in. And it's it's fun. Like you said, now all of a sudden we're uh, we're booking Survivor Series. So uh, it's, it's, just, it's a fun time right now at the WWE. And it works. Um, guys, before you let me go, I just want to get out, get this out. The um, the thing that's coming up this Saturday night is the Wrestle War. Genesis Wrestling, uh, Genesis Championship Wrestling presents Wrestle War, the tribute for Matt Bourne. It's going to be held at Junction, well, behind Junction 46 um, in uh, Ledgewood, New Jersey. I mean, Ledgewood, West New Jersey, 691 U.S. Highway 46 is West yeah, West Ledgewood, New Jersey, is the um, is the address, and bell time is three o'clock, and they're gonna have Marty Janetti, Munzio, um, the Patriots gonna be there, Magic's gonna be on the card, and you can look it up GenesisChampionshipWrestling dot com for all your needs on that. And once also the other following was you said the ECPW, and that uh, was what what an NWA on fire merged. Oh, we're not on NWA fire. anymore, so just wrestling on fire. Oh, wrestling. Oh, you're not NWA anymore. Oh, so it's just no. wrestling on fire. What happened? They burned you guys down? Oh, it's terrible. Anyway, <laughs> we're with ECPW. You know, we are, you know, I am affiliated with ECPW. So that means that they're going to, you said they're going to unify the title. Joe, Jumbo Joe Guns, then, is going to be wrestling whoever, the, who's the champion? El Leon Apollo. Or uh, Leon versus Joe Gunn. So, uh, you know what? That'd be a great match to see. But guys, I will speak to you guys. Are going to be doing this on Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll speak to you guys on Tuesday. Dave, uh, it's a, always a pleasure, my man. And uh, and you have a great great week, guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ken. 
Thanks a lot for giving us a call. Take care. Yeah, Thank you, Mike. Out with, uh, El Leon Apollo, like that man, he's a beast. He's just huge. So it should be, uh, it, it's cool. I mean, it, it's he's definitely a, a good champion to have for uh, wrestling on fire. Man, on Friday night, he was, the, he, I, I wish I could remember the guy he was wrestling, but uh, he was giving him just the most vicious chops that were just echoing uh throughout the uh venue and it was it was amazing like the crowd kept the crowd was chanting like one more and then at one point the crowd was actually yelling at his opponent to lay down <laughs> they're like just just stay down uh but his his chest was all like red and uh the blood vessels were, were broken and he, he took it though man to the point where at, at after the match uh, Mario Savoldi, who who owns Wrestling on Fire, he's like, I'm going back in the locker room and congratulate the kid for taking that. So uh, it was cool. It was interesting. But Elion Apollo, yeah, he's our Wrestling on Fire champion looking to unify uh, that title. So uh, good stuff coming out of there and good stuff, uh, you know, as we're looking forward to the summer. And as Mike said, we're, uh, we're already booking SummerSlam, but uh, quite a championship match set up for SummerSlam Uh uh, the internet wrestling community, all a buzz. Uh, they, they, I would bet after Monday night they could hardly contain themselves because we finally got Daniel Bryan uh, going after John Cena's WWE Championship. Uh, this should be a fun build to SummerSlam. I, 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 I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, he's so on fire right now. Not, not to you know steal a phrase from you know the the, the company you currently work for, but <laughs> I mean it's it's you know uh, I. I, I enjoyed the segment on Monday when, you know, Cena picked Brian. Um, I liked that there was a different feel to it. Um, instead of, you know, having a battle royal or a number one contenders match, you get five, six guys coming out lobbying why they should be the champ. Then the GM comes out and says, you know, we're going to make a four, fatal four-way holla. And then, you know, you have the match at the end of the night, and then, you know, that's the number one contender. I mean, we've seen that done a million times before. I liked how, you know, Maddox, you know, put it in his own hands and, you know, put it in Cena's hands and said, you choose. And it also went well with the storyline that, you know, there's, you know, that big power struggle. Vince, you know, doesn't like, you know, the way Maddox does things and Triple H does. And, you know, it kind of ties into that. You know, I, I'm I'm enjoying the build towards it. I've been hearing that there's going to be um, some involvement with the Bella Twins in the storyline because both Bellas, they date, Brian and Cena, respectively. I don't know which one dates which because I can't tell which one of them apart. Except one of them got a boot job recently, so I just don't know which one, which guy's got the girlfriend with the bigger set of guns. But anyhow, um, I, I hear they're going to be involved because they got that TV show, that Total Divas, and they filmed some stuff with um, Cena and Brian with the girls, and they're going to air it, and you know. So there's going to be some involvement with that. Um, I just hope that it's not too much uh, where the girls, where them, where them two girls, you know, take away from, you know, the performers in Cena and Brian. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Daniel Bryan. And, you know, we said it, you know, on the Money in the Bank pre-show last week that he doesn't need to win the Money in the Bank contract to get this title shot. It's good. It can happen. Um, and, you know, you brought up an idea, Ken, on the, you know, uh, recently about, you know, having maybe Orton cash in on Cena before SummerSlam. Daniel Bryan already has his title shot in place, and Cena could have a rematch. They do a triple threat, and then maybe Bryan goes over. I was thinking of an idea of, you know, 
Vince on television has publicly said that he does not like Daniel Bryan. He looks ugly. He's not a good wrestler. He doesn't understand why the audience get him. And, you know, Vince is kind of the heel in that sense against the audience and what they like and, you know, what he likes. I was thinking, what if they had Vince appoint Randy Orton, the special guest referee, and then, of course, there is the, you know, idea of the buildup that, you know, Orton could cash in, you know, at any time, and who's he going to who's he going to cash in on? Who's he going to or who's he going to count the one, two, three, four, so that he could cash in on that particular person? And then maybe at SummerSlam they have Orton cash in on Cena at the pay per view during the match, and he is wearing a referee shirt, and he is the he is a licensed official for the WWE on that night, and he could count his own pin as the Money in the Bank holder and be the referee at the same time and win the WWE title, and that would be a first in the Money in the Bank contract gimmick. Those are all cool ideas, and again, like we're getting into that like fantasy booking, but like it's fun. I mean, there's so many scenarios to to go in right now. Uh, you know that that totally works. Uh, you know, uh, I think we talked about if uh, Randy Orton cashed in before SummerSlam and, and won the WWE title, uh, do we have a triple threat? And then Daniel Bryan uh, beating the two of them, uh, that really puts him over. Um, you know, so many different permutations they can go with right now. Uh, but it's interesting, and it's cool to see, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan and, and getting that spot. What I'm curious about, and I'm curious what our listeners think and, and wrestling fans out there is, you know, I, I'm loving Daniel Bryan, and I think what's really working for him at, in this, like, manic kind of state is is the chase. And when he finally gets the prize, if he gets the prize, uh, how they go, you know, moving forward with him. Uh, you know, sometimes you almost would love to see him lose at SummerSlam because the crowd would be so upset. Uh, you know, and he could play off it being so disappointed in himself that it might make for more entertaining television going forward. Um, but I'm really curious. I mean, I think that he's going to get a run at some point. You know, do we see a a, a win and a quick cash in by Randy Orton so we don't really get a legit run? But uh, I'm curious what we'll see out of, out of Daniel Bryan if, in fact, he gets that title and, and what kind of run uh, he's he's given, um, you know, it, that boils down to what creative sees. And like you're saying, if Vince McMahon's not crazy about him, uh, you know, what do we see going forward out of him uh, with a championship? But it's interesting, Dave, as uh, the stuff you're hearing, you know, we've speculated on this show, you know, this may be, you know, as far as we've seen the era and, and look, say what you will, uh, you can criticize him, you can love him, you can hate him, but you know, John Cena and the run that he's had and what he has meant to this company. And, you know, the company has grown in leaps and bounds over the 10 years that uh, WWE has had John Cena in the uh, forefront. Uh, you know, it's starting to look more and more like they're they're phasing him out or at least lessening his role. And uh, this this may be the last time we see John Cena with the WWE title. Yeah, I think he's kind of transitioning over to, like, the Triple H role that Triple H had a few years ago where he had the title for, you know, a, a decent run. And I think the last time Triple H had the title was in, uh, you know, two, last time he won the title was in 2008, in the spring of 2008, and he held it for, you know, or he had in two, I'm sorry, last time he had the title was in 2009. 
He won the title in an elimination chamber, and then he lost it to Randy Orton. A few, they bounced back and forth, but that was the last time he'd been in the title picture. I think we'll see Cena um, kind of transition out and then not have a part-time role, but, you know, maybe fight for the title but not win. Um, but he won't be, you know, on top with the championship. You know, here's an idea, you know, that, that just came to mind. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, eras with Orton and with, uh, you know, with, with John Cena. Um, which started for them in 2012, or 2002, excuse me. But with WrestleMania 30 coming up and being a big celebration, it seems like uh, at, at every 10th WrestleMania, they had always done something where you saw like a new era. Like at WrestleMania 10, you know, you saw Bret Hart regain the title, and you saw the rise of Shawn Michaels, and you saw the young guys really, you know, like those two guys in particular lead that group into the next few years of wrestling. And then at WrestleMania 20, when you saw, um, you know, I, I know we said we wouldn't mention him on this show, but Eddie Guerrero and that other individual standing in the ring at WrestleMania 20 with the pyro, with the pyro and the, the, the confetti laying in the ring. What if we see Daniel Bryan win the title in the fall and he goes all the way to WrestleMania and CM Punk wins the, the Royal Rumble and challenges Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. And those two guys are the new face of this new era as they, as they are, you know, main eventing a WrestleMania for the WWE Championship and moving forward in the new era of the WWE. These two guys would be the new face because, quite honestly, it's looking that way with the two of them. Between Punk's heel run last year and, you know, coming back now and he's widely popular again and just even like his rise since his pipe bomb and now with Daniel Bryan and his rise with, you know, all the, 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 the things he's had to go through in his time at the WWE when he got fired, then he got rehired and he's worked his way up and the yes chance and now, you know, the, the, the overwhelming popularity that he has, those two to me just look like the new two faces of the company m- moving forward. It's not a bad idea. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that match, and you know, on the big stage as headliners at WrestleMania. Um, you know, they'd probably. I mean, I would bet money they put on a, a six-star match. I mean, it would just be a tremendous matchup. Those two guys, probably two guys that maybe thought that they would never reach the big stage. If uh, those two guys got the main event at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 30, no less, uh, it would be interesting to see. Uh, what they would put out there, but uh, it would promise to be a tremendous match. Uh, we have reached that portion of the program. You know what it's time for. The Ken Reedy Show. Now, portion of our program we talk about something in the world of professional wrestling that kind of got us that you're sitting on your couch you're watching you just kind of nodded to yourself that gets our nod of approval each and each and every week if you're on the facebook thread right now facebook.com slash the kenry show why don't you let us know who gets your nod but dave and i give a nod each and every week dave who gets your nod of approval this week well this week you know we saw a lot of great wrestling that started with you know the money in the bank pay-per-view which you know i'll put 
you know, up against, you know, any other pay-per-view this year as being, you know, a pay-per-view of the year. Um, but more particularly, I mentioned on last week's show, I was the, mo- the match I was looking forward to most was the World Championship contract Money in the Bank ladder match with the up-and-coming, the future stars of the WWE. And it far exceeded my expectations in terms of the match quality and just the craziness of how those kind of ladder matches are, ladder matches being my favorite gimmick match in wrestling. Um, but, uh, you know, the match was crazy in itself, and you saw, you know, each guy had, you know, for the most part, had big moments in that match. Um, Cody Rhodes particularly was on fire during that match at some point where I really thought he was going to take it, and he was one of the dark horses that I said that could possibly win it. But um, as some of you all, as some of you know, if not all of you know, I'm a big Antonio Cesaro fan, and there was a couple points in that match where I was just, you know, I, it proved my point again how impressive he is. Um, the first, there was one point in the match where Jack Swagger, his tag team partner, had grabbed Wade Barrett off the ladder by his leg, and in midair, Barrett's coming down, and Cesaro just nails him with that vicious uppercut, which I think is, in my opinion, still the best finisher in wrestling today right now. And then there was another point where, and I'll give credit to Swagger, too, um, where the, both of them lifted um, Dean Ambrose, who was, you know, kind of did the Terry Funk, you know, uh, ladder spot where he spins the ladder around on his head and he lifted him up in the air. And then Ambrose skinned the cat and kind of surfboarded the ladder and then they threw him out over the top rope. Um, you know, the strength, I mean, you know, like I said, I got to give credit to Swagger, too, because it took two to do that. But, I mean, the strength that, you know, Cesaro especially has is just unbelievable and, you know, super impressive. Um, and then there was another point in the match where Cesaro had, uh, you know, climbed Swagger's shoulders to try and grab the briefcase, and he was up there. And we've seen that spot a few times with a couple of guys, and a few of those guys, they just they fall and, you know, they, they can't keep their balance. But i got to give credit to Swagger, too, as well. Cesaro stood up at one point and grabbed that briefcase while he was standing on Swagger's shoulders, which I didn't think he was going to even touch it. And then Cody did the drop kick, and, uh, I mean, overall, I, I, didn't, I don't think Cesaro was the MVP of the match, but I was just, I'm just impressed by him, and I'm glad that they're putting him in a more meaningful role than just having him come out on TV and, you know, lose to everybody. He's got some sort of meaning to his character and, and breathing some life back into that character with his association with um, Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger. So this week, my nod of approval goes to Antonio Cesaro, and I'm not going to say that in five different languages because I really only know one. <laughs> yeah, my nod actually this week goes, uh, and it's interesting because my nod goes to Paul Heyman. Uh, great promo Monday night, great promo on Miz TV, uh, you know, totally, you know, and you have, I mean, Miz, I think, is good on the mic, but uh, kind of outclassed by Paul Heyman. Um, and, you know, when I was thinking, hey, he's got to, I'm watching SmackDown, I'm watching Miz TV, I'm like, yeah, Heyman's just been really good. And then I just thought to myself, wow, Heyman's been really good for a long time. Heyman has been must-see TV, and when you think about, when we talk here about the WWE and how it's moving in a great direction right now, I started thinking back that, you know, when you think of Heyman and this resurgence of the WWE, how big a part that Heyman had in in Punk's historic run at at the title, representing Brock Lesnar, Brock attacking Vince McMahon, the the, uh, Brock Lesnar-Triple H saga, uh, his involvement with Punk and The Undertaker, uh, dressing up as Paul Bearer, and then look at like he had a a, a hand in in bringing in the Shield. He, he was he was part of the Shield when they first uh, 
came in. He had a hand in bringing in Brad Maddox, and he was involved with Maddox in that initial storyline. You know, right now he's an integral part of Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk, and he's he's helping to give the IC title a little more credibility, and he's helping to put over Curtis Axel. I mean, aside from just the two promos that he's done this week, that in and of themselves, like that, that's great. You know, I think he's going to get my nod. But when I started thinking about it. When you talk about the resurgence of the WWE, uh, you know, it's it's no exaggeration that he's been of this company really turning it around. And, of course, there were the rumors that Heyman was helping out with creative. So when you take all the factors into play, and uh, Heyman has just been the MVP of the WWE really kind of moving in the right direction. So uh, when I was... Coming up with my nod, it started with just, oh yeah, you know, there's two really good promos this week. And when I started thinking about it, he's been pretty impressive for a long time. So uh, my nod of approval this week goes to Paul Heyman. So there you have it. Nods this week, Cesaro and Paul Heyman. Man, you know, I hit play for the nod. The Ken Reedy Show, not of approval. <laughs> you know, such a great show tonight, but like the technology gods just had to say, don't, don't get cocky, because we, we can, we can pull it away. So I had like the little circle. Eh, it's loading. It's loading. Thank y'all for tuning in tonight. It was a great show. Thank y'all for calling in, supporting us. For Dave, I am Ken Reedy. Everyone have a great night. We'll see you Tuesday.